Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the sociology staff room. Okay, so welcome to the uh, sociology staff room today. I'm super excited. Um, what feels like an autumnal uh, evening today. It's like the, it sort of feels like the, the sort of summer holidays seems to be far away in our distant memory, and we're sort of definitely in amongst the academic year now. So we, we're talking about ECTs today and experience of ETCs and we've got some really great ex, sort of different experiences and different like uh, years into the, the career of teaching. We've got uh, Naomi who is in the third year of teaching, that's right, is that, that right? And then we've got Anna, you're into your second year and we've got Arusa who is in your first year of teaching. Now obviously sometimes we refer to ECTs, NQTs and also the, the term has changed but ultimately relatively new to teaching um as i understand arisa you've come in from corporate law and and um that's been your background and anna you've come in from um pr is that right is that sort of the, the sort of journey you've come into education so almost really really interested in finding out a bit more about that but like i said might be quite nice to sort of follow up that in, in the future so in regards to your experiences i'm just really experienced interested in your experience of the sort of first year or couple of years of your teaching experience. We'll start off with you, Naomi. I know that you've only you've been doing this now for three years. Um, so, you know, why do you think ECTs are so um, important to the profession? Why is it important that we have new teachers into the teaching profession? Um, so I think part of it is the energy that our new teachers bring in, um, the excitement about starting a new career, um, and that new ideas and new skills that they bring into the department as well so um existing staff can reflect on it we've got an ect in our department this year and the sort of ideas that he's bringing in we're like oh i could try that and that's been really really good for us um to sort of keep the department fresh as well yeah so keeping the department fresh is really good and often it's not synonymous with just like newly qualified teachers or act teachers are young straight out of university obviously anna you were saying that you've you've had a career first in in pr and actually you might sort of draw on that what is the benefits of having potentially an ect that hasn't come in just straight from university that has a bit of work experience or worked in another field beforehand i think obviously you um, when you're in the classroom, you, you can reflect on other things. So you're not just reflecting on university, you can reflect on your knowledge of other parts of the world. And I think obviously working in public relations, that's all about journalism. It's about what's going on in the world, which links really closely to sociology. So it's really nice to emphasize to students the importance of keeping up with what's going on in the world and reading the news. And it, I think it just ties in really, really nicely. So not only as an ECT, Kind of bring in that fresh approach and all those kind of new ideas but also i can bring in different parts of my experience from my previous career as well so i think it's really nice to have ects who are not necessarily just out of uni but also ects of all ages who have done different things um because then they're offering that new perspective that other people who are already in the profession might not have thought of so i think it just i think it's nice i think it, it brings the team um, in a department closer as well because you've just got such a good mixture of people with different backgrounds. It's, it's exactly right. I think particularly for sociology where you're drawing up sort of a, from a range of experience and knowledge within our units and I think you know like what you said Anna it's, it's nice to have that sort of range of experience and I know that obviously as Naomi said it's keeping that sort of department fresh. Have you found that as well Arisa? I know you've come into um, sort of teaching relatively 
early you're sort of in your first year of your ECT year. Have you found that your background in other than corporate law, has that been beneficial coming in a little bit later into teaching? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, it's helped me in a number of ways, not just with my organisation skills and, you know, teaching mm. prep things that happen behind closed doors. Um, but it's also helped me with um, bringing real life examples to um, the things that I'm talking about in my sociology lessons, for example. Um, it allows me to use examples that the kids find quite understandable and relatable to some degree. And um, in teaching sociology, it kind of helps me to show them what they can do with their sociology qualifications. Um, I took sociology myself as an A-level, so often we're talking about, okay, how do you use these skills later on in life in the world of work? So, yeah, really helpful. Yeah, and that's, I know that's sort of an emphasis that, you know, has come down on a sort of governmental level, hasn't it, that we have to have that sort of careers focus within uh, teaching and uh, actually having that sort of real life experience can enhance that. In thinking about, you know, the experience of ECTs and how we can support them, I've, I've mentioned this before when we've looked at sort of imposter syndrome, we've looked at how to support people that are non-special needs in department. The data and the research that's out there is saying that uh, 44% of the profession potentially might leave in the next five years, which is a huge amount of people. I can't, don't know what the exact figure for people that sort of drop out within the first five years of teaching. I think it's it's a greater figure in that sort of newly qualified group of people um, rather than people sort of that have been here for sort of 20 years or so. Why do you think, or what can we do to support ECTs? Let's maybe start with the because you've been now doing this for three years. How can we support ECTs to stay in the profession, to not be disheartened uh, and want to leave? Because obviously we know the workloads are a sometimes for some unmanageable. Um, Naomi, what, is, what have you found that you've found useful support for you? Um, so we've got a real push in school at the moment about finding the joy and the things in teaching that make us really, really happy. Because um, mm -hmm. obviously some of the admin and the paperwork is really, really tricky um, to manage. But taking those moments in lessons or in department time when you've really, really found something that works and makes you feel really happy and reminding ourselves of those moments of joy when we are in the difficult situations. Um, and that push within school has meant that our teaching staff do seem a lot happier this year already, um, just from little things that we're doing to remind us why we do love teaching and why we're doing it. I love that, love, the love, uh, the joy for, for what we're doing, which is so important. Obviously, um, this is your first year, Rita, of into the ECT. Obviously, last year was your training year. Um, is there a do you i suppose you've got i suppose appreciate that you're sort of fresh in this and obviously you've got alliances to work but what have you found has worked from being a trainee into an ect and is there a difference of what you need as a as a professional um i think the jump i hadn't quite anticipated initially the jump from pgc to ect um not necessarily in terms of difficulty but in terms of uh, what's expected of you and workload um, because I think you know when you're on your PGCE you have you obviously have more periods in the day that are free and available to you for planning um, and then as an ECT especially because it's a new framework you're thrown in into your lessons expected to do those lessons but then you also have um, you know time where you have to prepare those lessons and then you now have the ECT frameworks are doing some self-study as well. And there's just a lot of things to kind of um, add on top of that. And I think 
the key difference for me between my PGCE year and my ECT year um, in terms of, you know, professionalism and workload is kind of just preparing myself or, you know, just preparing yourself mentally for that jump in terms of workload and the responsibilities that then land on your plate. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's that I think, like you said, the, the obvious thing is the um, the timetable differences in it from your training year, uh, from PGC to your your first year teaching, and be prepared for that jump. Now, obviously, Anna, you're sort of one one year ahead of that experience. You're now in your second year. Thinking about your own experience, is there anything sort of tips that you probably give people like or or people in that sort of first year of teaching that have made that jump from you know training year now into first year? You've now sort of into your second year is there anything lessons you've learned from that i'd say use your mentor um i found last year that following kind of the ect framework doesn't necessarily match up with what's going on every day in school and it's okay to kind of steer away from that so i was always going to my mentor with questions and i think you know just really um using them and asking for their help just really benefits you i feel that i had a really amazing mentor last year and i came a really long way within that year because of kind of her and her willingness to just answer my questions as and when i needed them you know just popping in at break time or popping in for five minutes after school you know just asking those questions as and when just really helped me get better um especially i think in the first term it does feel kind of really full on so using your mentor and using the guidance and advice of other people in the department as well i think if you're in a department where people are collaborative and wanting to you know help you i think that's a really positive experience because they see you as a colleague so obviously you're an equal but also they know that you're learning and they're willing to kind of help you get better because at the end of the day, you're still a team and that's just going to benefit everyone in the department. So just, you know, relying on those people who are there, everyone is always willing to help. Yeah, and that's really important is asking for that help. And sometimes I think sometimes, I know a long, long time when I was, I was in my training year, but the point is you feel like you're like harassing people, aren't you? Like, oh, excuse me, can you just da 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 da? But actually, it's better to ask those questions rather than to keep them to yourself. And I appreciate that, I assume, you've all got you're within a department but there are going to be ECTs that feel quite alone or you know sort of quite a small department and I think sort of important like you said is use the people around you but that might be someone outside with social sciences it might be someone within humanities or something like that um sticking with you Anna you know you're talking about this sort of framework and I know that you sort of did something slightly different Naomi is there something from an organizational point of view like a top tip because obviously you said use your mentor but is there a top tip from an organisational point of view, because obviously all the already you've got all the admin anyhow with regards to teaching, whether that be marking or filling in data or, you know, is there any sort of I don't know quick hacks that you could pass on? I mean, last year I always did my ECT training on a Saturday morning, <laughs> so I don't really want to you know kind of recommend to other people that you should be doing your ECT training on a weekend i think it's just about organizing your time isn't it and everyone's different i had a really long commute last year so you know i had to kind of make up my time elsewhere and that included weekends i think you know it's just finding about what works for you if you want to do it in your ppa time you can do that if you want to do it on an evening you can unfortunately you just kind of have to make it fit in and it does get easier it does get better so it's just 
making it work for you and finding kind of when that works. By the end, I actually found that kind of sitting down and doing it in a bulk session worked better for me rather than doing it weekly. So I think it depends. And I guess that also um, depends on the program that you're on. Every school obviously uses a different one. So it's just kind of tailoring your time management specifically around the um, ECT framework that your school is using. Yeah, and that's really important is that time management, isn't it? I know that it's sort of, although it's a different procedure, I think for the, it's sort of, you still got to collect evidence and data from working on that. I always, I always found that, um, I know it's quite a simple thing, but like, I don't know, it's a small hack for me was um, having my emails, but making sure that I had a file that was just called like evidence or whatever you want. And I still do it from like my going through threshold and everything like that. And I just make sure rather than sort of scanning through emails at a later date, I just try and think, right, I just move it there. And if I don't really do much with it at that time, then at least it's there in a separate folder. So that's my top tip, my top hack. I don't know if that's a good one or not, but it's <laughs> something I found that was quite useful. Um, in regards to strategies that have worked for you, is there any strategies that you wished that you did have in hindsight because obviously hindsight is a brilliant thing isn't it um i sort of come to you naomi like obviously you're three years down the line um is there support that potentially if you were to have an ect in the department or you were in ect again is there anything that you put into place potentially that maybe not in place when you when you did your training year or your first year of teaching um so i trained in the 2019 2020 mm. academic year so the first year of covid and then i did my nqt year in the second year of covid wow. so um one of the things that i felt is just that i was a bit isolated when i was doing my um ect well nqt year and um because i had a department of four people and that was it and i was the only early teacher everybody else was really really established and i just sort of felt like oh i'm drowning a little bit i don't quite know what I need to do and I think if I did my ECT year again or had a new ECT in the department as much networking as possible with other ECTs would be the most important thing um, just to make sure that they feel comfortable they don't feel alone and they can share those ideas with each other and I think that in hindsight is really what my year was missing um, obviously there was not a lot that we could do about it but now that's something I definitely put in place for um, ECTs that we have in the future. Yeah, I think that network is so so valuable. It doesn't even have to be always talking about, you know, standards or teaching. It's, mm. it's just that sense of bonding. Uh, I've been looking back at it, like, nostalgically. I'm looking at my eyes because I'm looking back. Like, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'm looking back and thinking. But, yeah, I think sometimes teaching can be one of those jobs that, and we've talked about this before, doesn't feel like it, there's an end to it. But actually making time to be finding that group within your school, potentially, that you can network with, even in a social point of view. I know that sounds quite simple. I know that... When I was when we used to do like come dine with me. I don't know why, but we did. And like I used to have, we used to take turns all like the ECTs or NQTs, and we used to go around each other's houses. And <laughs> I don't know. I just remember it fondly. I always made a paella for some reason. Um, but <laughs> the point is, it's just like almost just to offload as well, just to even go. Oh my god, is this just me? And did that lesson just go? Da -da -da, or you know, professionally speaking about your lessons and having something to bounce off with that are in a sort of similar situation with you. So yeah, networking is amazing. I hope that, you know, all of you have found that within your department or faculty within your school. Um, and like I said, it doesn't even have to be someone in your department. I'm thinking my one was the art teacher and I'm still really good friends with her now. Um, you know, thinking about sticking with the idea of hindsight, you know, you, you've all different times into the career. Um, if you could give yourself like 
your trainee self one bit of advice what would that be so i was just like thinking i'm looking at a research smile so what would you say to yourself in that first year of of training what would you sort of talk to yourself about um so obviously it's very personal for every individual person but for me um it would be telling myself to really establish that boundary so that i can establish a work-life balance if that even exists um uh, so for me you know i can I, I have a tendency to become quite a workaholic so um you know i religiously make lists and stuff to keep myself um <laughs> yeah i love a list um and it's the it's the only way i get through the day by you know getting everything done so for me um it you know as you've said working in education working as a teacher is it's a vocation it becomes your lifestyle um and if you allow that to become too much of your life then you have nothing outside of that so for me personally it's about being super disciplined with yourself um and you know having those chats with yourself about okay, how am I going to establish this work-life balance? What am I going to say no to? I don't have to say yes to every single thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm only an ECT. I've got years ahead of me. Perhaps I can say yes later down the line. So that would be my advice to myself. That sounds really sound advice, isn't it? You know, that sort of boundaries. I like the idea of those boundaries. I read a book I'm looking at, that it's called The Happiness Advantage. It's like, they call it the Circle of Zorro, but things that are within your control and, and then within that, things that are in your control, what are you willing to say yes to? Because there are so, you can be pulled in so many ways, particularly if you're enthusiastic, which, you know, like you just mentioned yourself, you know, workaholic then someone will always want a bit of you. The next minute, you know, you're doing the Duke of Edinburgh. Then the next minute, you're like, I don't know, doing something to do with the school show and then like you're upstage doing the ukulele or something I don't know and as well as teaching sociology um Naomi what would your bit of advice three years down the line what have you said to your trainee self um I think there's no such thing as a perfect lesson I think that's got to be because what I I would just strive for absolute perfection every time and want to tweak lessons and make them better and better and better and almost not want to stop planning until the lesson was about to start and I think that it's not sustainable as a teacher to keep making things and trying to make things perfect. So being able to reinvent, um, like share resources from other people, not reinventing the wheel, um, using the Facebook groups as well, they are so useful. And just sort of making sure that you can make that lesson as good as you can that time. And then when you deliver it again, making it a bit better and a bit better rather than trying to make it perfect from day one. Yeah, that seems to be a common thing with the perfectionist idea. I know that we talked about imposter syndrome like last week, and I've spoke, I've, I've carried out an interview since about teacher wellbeing, and actually, it's a common thing that keeps on coming up is this perfectionist idea. But actually, per perfect doesn't exist, and actually, that's a very subjective concept, isn't it? What my perfect is and what a student's idea of perfect is very different. Um, and like you said, I'm, it's always a case of adding to it for the next time, not necessarily for that lesson. I know my, even myself, like I've been teaching now for like eighteen years. And I made my resources and I have a copy for myself. And at the end of each lesson, maybe not every lesson, but I write a note on it. So for next year, I can change it. So I'm sort of, the reason I'm saying that is I'm 20 years or 18 years down the line and I'm still tweaking resources because that's what teachers do. But I don't expect that lesson to be perfect. That's why it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. So, and every group of students are different. What about yourself, um, Anna? What would be your top bit of advice to your trainee self? I think I'd say that when you are looking for a position, 
I know it's not as easy because obviously we're all kind of super eager to get a job, but just take the time to make sure that you find a school that aligns with your own personal values and you're working in a school that you agree with those values and are passionate about those values. Um, I think that's really important to make sure you actually are working somewhere where you agree with um, the values of the school. And also just a reminder to yourself that things do get better. Yeah, <laughs> I look, I look at Ruth and they do, they do. Yeah. And people yeah, tell you that, but you don't believe it, <laughs> but it is true. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I totally agree with you. Like, they do get better. I mean, I used to give myself this bit of advice that I, I used to spend longer prepping a lesson than it would take to deliver a lesson. And I'd be like, <laughs> I can't spend longer prepping a lesson than delivering it. Like, that can't be a thing. And I promise you, it doesn't. Because I only only say you tweak it each year. But it does feel like that. Like, you think, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm not even going to deliver it for this length of time at all. Um I, I personally love listening to ECTs. I think, you know, people new into the profession, like Naomi said, keeps the profession fresh. I'll put you on the spot here. Is there one, like, you know, as someone that's sort of, an, someone that's been around, I was going to say, like, been around for ages, but it makes me sound like an elderly woman, but there, there we go, maybe I am. And the point is, is I love to hear new ideas in teaching and learning. Is there one thing that, like, is around and buzzing around in the sort of the, the world of ECT that is like a, a quick sort of takeaway that, I could magpie from you guys, something that's sort of like you've, you've used it. I know when I was doing it, I know this is like really old fashioned now, so I don't use it even myself. Was um, there was always this thing of putting lollipop sticks into a thing and taking people's names out. I don't know, they don't do that. I don't think we do that anymore. But I'm just thinking, is there like a quick, you know, this is amazing, this is really cool thing to bring into your teaching, something you've loved doing this year, any sort of strategy? Um, Naomi, is there anything you do that you think, oh, that's something that I'm quite proud of that I do? Um, we've got visualizers in school, which um, have been absolutely amazing at changing teaching. Um, so getting all the modeling. So if I've got a worksheet, I will put it under the visualizer and I'll fill it in as the students fill it in. Um, and we'll sort of collaboratively work together. And I think that really helps with building the students' confidence as well and knowing that they can know what they're writing and not sort of doing that. So then when they get to the point where they're working independently, they feel brave enough and ready to take that step. Um, I think a lot of our year 12s that we've got in at the moment are really nervous about making errors and getting things wrong and being able to walk them through those things under the visualizer really helps. And they love it when we put their work under the visualizer as well. So if someone's done a really good bit of work, being able to show that off to the rest of the class is amazing as well. So um, the visualizer has just absolutely revolutionized sort of my teaching in the last year or so. Oh, definitely. I've got. I've written that down because I was going to make an order for a visualizer. I had one. I had a yeah. hand one last year, but it was just so ropey that I ended up using like a, an Adobe Scan thing and like just taking pictures of it. And then, but that took time because then I had to upload it and blah 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 blah. But yeah, definitely, that's a really good hack there. Um, what about you, Anna? Is there anything that you do that you think, oh, that's a sort of cool thing to sort of pass on a top tip? Um. I mean, I'm sure lots of people do it, so it's probably not kind of that new, but I, um, I don't know if it's just kind of my background, but I use lots and lots of current examples. I try to bring them into every single lesson. For So for example, um, last year when we did Childhood, I brought in a trailer of um, Squid Game from Netflix, and we had a huge discussion about, is Squid Game suitable for children? No, it's not, but a bunch of children watched it. So it opens up the floor with things like that. 
uh, for example, a couple of weeks ago, Peppa Pig introduced their first same-sex couple, which is amazing. Students can bring that example into when they're talking about families. So I'm just always kind of reading the news and, you know, bringing in current examples, but then I actually put them into my lessons. And then the students are like, oh my God, I can talk about that. And it's like, yeah, of course you can. As You can apply that as an example to what you're talking about. You can apply that to those theories. And I think it's a really good way to make the students connect something that they know about in the real world to a theory. So I love to do that. And I find that really um, useful in lessons. Exactly. And I think it makes it sort of like less abstract as well. Um, so it's a like really good idea there. And is there anything you sort of picked up along your sort of first year and a bit of teaching? Sorry to put you on the spot there, but anything even you've magpied from someone? Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so it's nothing, it's, it's nothing new, but it's more just a reminder to everyone that <clears throat> sometimes when we're teaching A-levels, um, obviously they're they're much more mature students. I'm thinking about comparing my year 13s to my year eights, for example. Um, you know, they're more mature. And I think sometimes as teachers, we can get into the rabbit hole of, okay, this is going to be a bit more of a lecture and, you know, you're going to listen and it's very teacher led. Um, perhaps that doesn't happen to everyone, but sometimes you can get stuck in that hole. And I think just reminding yourself to do those really fun and perhaps a bit more immature um, kind of activities with them. They really enjoy that. I did something with them today uh, with my year 12 sociology class today, and they really seem to enjoy it. So it's just reminding yourself to to do those activities where they're allowed to get out of their seats and, you know, perhaps go around the room and give me definitions for something or, or locate something or locate an example for something in, in a very active way. And I think for them, it's, it brings the learning to life in comparison to just having to write things down for an exam. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good reminder, isn't it? Because sometimes you sort of think, oh, is it a bit immature or uh, maybe it's going to be time consuming and, you know, you know, everyone gets a bit focused on the exam. So it's really important to bring that sort of life to it. There's lots of ideas there and I appreciate that I've taken quite a lot of your time here, but it's quite, I think it's also important to like go back to the first point that Naomi said that, like ECT bring sort of freshness to the subject and actually it's nice to hear your ideas and even if it is just a refresher or or a new idea it's good to share them and so we've, it's good to have that wealth of experience from you know someone that maybe is teaching 30 years to someone that's like been only teaching for a year so thank you for your time and hopefully anyone that's either thinking of coming into the profession or those people that are only new to teaching that they know they're not alone at all so um, I'd just like to say thank you and I hope you have a lovely evening and uh, I hope the rest of the academic year is amazing for you and, and it brings you joy going back to Naomi's point. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. That's all right. Thank you. Thank you for your time. The Sociology Stuff Room is brought to you by tutor to you Sociology. Find us at tutor2u.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutor 2 or Instagram at tutor 2 You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.